Hey, what's up, everybody? You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. Today is Monday, January 1st. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. On this week's episode, we have Kyle back again from Cubs Live. And this week, we talk about everything Chicago Cubs. So if you are a Cubs fan, this is your podcast. We jump into the 2016 World Series winning season of the Chicago Cubs, the MLB offseason hot stove. It's getting a little chilly lately, and we decide to warm things up. And what better way to do it than for me to call my best friend Kyle and talk some Chicago Cubs baseball. So thanks for tuning in, and here's the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. I am your host, Quentin, coming to you from the Sweet Bee Studios, and I have, again, Kyle from Cubs Live. What's <laughs> going on, Kyle? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me yet again. It's, uh, it's always fun talking baseball, so I'm excited for it. Dude, me too, man. I've, um, I'm going through, like, this is a hard time in my life because even though, like, Christmas just showed up and we're heading into a new year, I'm going through huge baseball withdrawals. Like, I'm getting the shakes and the shivers. I spent all Christmas right. break, like, looking through baseball cards, like, reminiscing of 70-degree days. <laughs> has this offseason been as hard for you as it has for me? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a very slow offseason, you know, and- there's not a lot going on, which it sucks in the baseball world, especially if you, you know, you're a big baseball fan like you and I are. It's just, it's terrible. It's one of the slowest off seasons yet. I just, I just don't know what to do with myself. Like I find myself clicking through like television channels and like, <laughs> I just like, I stop at like HGTV because there's no better option. And just all I want to do is just like see a home run, man. Like that's it. I just want, I just want to see Kyle Hendricks dice somebody up. Like that's all I want in my <laughs> life right now. But either way, um, Again, we have Kyle. You can find him on Twitter at Cubs underscore live. And you can also now find him on Facebook at Cubs Live as well. So like I've said every single week, he makes me a genius in Cubs baseball. So if I sound really good this episode, just know I stole it from him. <laughs> but either way, so <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to kind of lead this thing off because we figure, you know, the hot stove's a little cold right now. And if it were an actual stove, I'd have frostbite and hypothermia. So we thought we would warm things up. You know, 2018's almost here. I Googled it today. The Chicago Cubs play the Florida Marlins in 89 days. So in 89 days, we're going to have us some baseball. But until then, we just decide we'd warm some things up. So we're going to go back to the Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series Championship. We are bringing our top five regular season moments and our top five postseason moments. Kyle, are you excited to get into this? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited, man. It's going to be fun diving in and getting the feels back. Okay, so I'm going to start with regular season, right? And I think Perfect. now my regular season moments, I'm not going to put in order because they're all just kind of good. Now my postseason moments, I have my like, yeah, I, I got my number one postseason moment, but I'm going to start <laughs> off my favorite regular season moment. Jake Arrieta's no hitter, right? Okay, yeah. They were in Cincinnati. They won this game 16 to nothing, and it was just the 16th game of the season. So this was real fresh. The season had just started coming off a phenomenal, kind of unexpected 2015 to make it all the way to the NLCS. And, you know, coming off that 2015 and getting super excited for 2016, and then all of a sudden your guy Jake Arrieta pitches a no-hitter. I was completely out of my mind excited. Do you remember watching that game? Uh, yeah, I think the coolest part about that no hitter was di- di- like di- diving in a little further than that was the fact that it was David Ross's last year and he caught the no hitter. And to end your career, I know like 
you know, hitting a home run and stuff are cool, but no hitters don't come by that often. And to catch one and like have and be in control of the whole game and knowing that you were the person behind the plate during that whole thing was absolutely cool for not only, you know, Jake Arrieta, but David Ross too. So it was, it was such a cool game just all around. Was that David Ross's first no hitter that he had caught? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. So what I thought, that's me. Awesome. I feel like it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Like his last season of major league baseball, I think was the best last season that any major leaguer has ever had. He was right. He was fun to watch. Um, he had a lot of like milestones during the year. Postseason was amazing. I mean, he was a huge part of that team and like secretly deep down. I hope he comes back as like some sort of special assistant. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, I actually, uh, picked up the book teammate not too long ago. Oh, how'd you and like it? I, Dude, man, it's so awesome. It's a must read. Not only like just getting an insight on him, but the game seven personally, like there's so much insight within it that I didn't know. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a really good book. I'm like halfway through it and it's amazing. And, uh, yeah, David Ross, he's, he's a baseball smart. There's no doubt about that. So yeah. expect him to come back with the Cubs. I know it's mutual feelings that he loves the Cubs. The Cubs love him. Wrigleyville loves him. Like everyone <laughs> that's Cubs yeah, fans love David Ross. And for a backup catcher, too, you know, it couldn't have happened to a better guy, really. And no. to go out like that is awesome. Absolutely. I kind of have, like, deep down, like, the secret joy that I want is I want uh, David Ross to pull, like, an Undertaker, right? Like, how he comes back yeah. for, like, every WrestleMania. Like, right. I imagine when the postseason <laughs> comes, like, David Ross is going to, like, walk out. And you're going to be like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, David Ross, stellar, dude. But to go back to that area at a start, like, that was, like, he was just ending, like, what his peak was. At the end of that start, that was his 24th straight quality start, and he had just capped a 20 and one stretch where he had a .86 ERA. Like, wow. se- that was 17 earned runs in 178 innings. Like, it was bonkers. Couldn't believe it. Um, That's insane. Okay. Absolutely. My next, oh gosh, this is so difficult to do. Okay, I'm going to go, and I remember this just like it was yesterday, but Wilson Contreras in his first at bat. Yep. As a Chicago. Like how, like how awesome was that? He got like a standing ovation and me and my wife were watching the game. Like I remember it like it was yesterday and I was like, Oh, like we got the new guy. Like this is awesome. Right. Um, cause this one, like you heard about him. I'd never watched a net bat from him. And then first pitch. And I mean, it is like classic Wilson Contreras. Like, I just love how the bat like flies over when his swing ends. He's got like one hand on the bat and he just looks like it's James Dean. Cool. After a swing, like it's the best thing ever. Um, gosh, it was, uh, it was crazy, man. And then he would also, which I noticed it, he would do a little stutter step when he was rounding the bases. He reminded me of Sammy Sosa a little bit. When uh, he was yeah, him the and bases. Javier, yeah. yeah, him and Javier Baez, him and Javier Baez like remind me of Sammy Sosa. Just the way they pimp their home runs and just everything about them. Dude, that game was so cool. I remember it was on ESPN late at night. You know, Wilson Contreras. You know, he he came in the game. Uh, I think uh, like a few games ago just to catch a little bit, but never got an at bat. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you know, finally he comes gets an at bat, and you know the Wrigley Field stands up on their feet cheering forty thousand plus. Wilson Contreras first pitch. The rookie did his job. He made the excitement to right center too. What a special moment, not only for him, but the fans too, just to see that. And man, that was awesome. Dude, Wrigley was just an amazing place to be. I didn't get to go up there any during the regular season. Um, But like I told you, I was up there for the postseason some. And just the place all season was, 
I mean, just had to have been electric. I remember when I was there during the postseason, I just, I can't explain to you how I felt. And if I tried to, like, I would just sound like a bumbling idiot. And honestly, like, I might cry. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, baseball's pretty emotional for me, man. I love the sport. I think it's a great yeah. game. Um, let me stop for a second, man. Let me get a couple of your regular. Well, actually, no, 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 no. Let me do this. I'm going to go through my last five. Um, and okay. then we'll get on to yours real quick. Um, but awesome. I'm not going to dive into each of these. So my number three moment, I have Kyle Hendricks, almost no hitter in St. Louis. Did you have that on your list? Oh, man. Yeah, I had that as an honorable mention for that one. Wasn't he, if I remember right, he was like two batters away or maybe one or something like that? Like, it was really close. He had It was got, super close for another. Yeah, yeah. He was, he had pitched at that point eight innings and 93 pitches. And then in the yeah. the bottom of that inning, because they were in St. Louis, Jeremy Hazelbaker, a guy they signed to a minor league deal, came up to bat, let off the inning, and hit a home run. See, don't you hate that? Don't you hate that? Then nobody really kill you. Just like Kirk Newenheis on the Brewers, he kills us every time. Just like the absolute nobody's killer. <laughs> Kirk Newenheis, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. I was heartbroken too because I was like, my brother's a Cardinals fan, so like I had the text message ready to go. Like I was about to shut him down. Like I was the winner today, um, but it didn't quite work out that way. But it was still a fun game to watch. Number four, I've got Javi's Mother's Day home run. That was, yeah, that, the, was that was yeah, the thirteen yeah. inning, just like it was like yeah. Homer's epic. It was beautiful, um, and then for yeah, my was, fifth, I've got the Chris Coglin hit. Oh, when he when he wasn't like ready, and then all of a sudden yeah. he like step out and then came back in and hit an RBI single or something like with bases loaded, something stupid. Yeah, he had a two like, run single <laughs> off Carlos Martinez, yeah. and he tr- and Carlos Martinez. This was a ninety nine mile an hour fastball that came through. Carlos throws hard. He tried to call timeout, and the ump didn't give it to him, so he got back in the <laughs> box. And so Coglin's, I think, a switch hitter, and he was batting lefty, and then plunked yeah. one out the right field, and two runs scored, and I think it tied the game. <laughs> It did. It did yeah. too. And it, that was awesome. I remember watching that game. I was like, did he really do that? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, how awesome was that? I watched it a hundred times. I couldn't believe it. Um, but Coughlin had, like, did you see the flip in Toronto this year? Yeah. Oh, dude. Wasn't that versus um, the Cardinals? Oh, man, he jumped over Yadi Molina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was he. He jumped right over Yadi Armelina. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to say it and you know not be correct. But all this, I remember watching that game and, or you know like seeing the replay. And I was like Chris Coglin back and yeah, he's like the player that like no one really knows about, but he does so well on the Cubs, and then like Cubs fans just love him because like he oh, was yeah. that guy. He was just, he was just that guy. Yeah, because he went to. Um... Uh, like Oakland, and then the Cubs got him back somehow. Like, I think maybe they signed him yeah. off waivers or something. You know, he was a rookie of yeah. the year as a Florida Marlin. Yep. That's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. I love watching that guy. He's like some, yeah, either way. Okay, so that's my five regular season, man. So tell me, Kyle, what you have. All right, for my five best, you know, Cubs regular season moments in 2016 championship season, how sweet is that championship that World Series good. season? So my fifth one I had on my list was the David Ross's last home game in, in the regular season at Wrigley Field. You know, it was a Sunday night baseball game versus our divisional rivals, the Cardinals. There were many special moments in that game. And that night, his first at bat, he got a huge applause because from the crowd because everyone knew what, you know, it entailed. Molina even recognized it. And, you know, credit to Molina. He did the classy thing, let Ross have his moment. Then, you know, he struck out, but 
you know what, for a backup catcher, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. Then his second at bat, he got another standing ovation and he hit a home run and how fitting was that, right? And he got another standing ovation and he got like another standing ovation and hits the home run, final home game of the season. Like I remember Glenn Casper saying, I got goosebumps. I don't know about you. And then that really hit me. And I can remember my exact feeling watching that game and realizing like how cool of a moment that was for him and everyone else that like was with him through the journey. And it didn't even stop there because Joe Madden then came out later in the game for what looked like a pitching change mm-hmm. and instead switched up Ross for Contreras. And even Ross was taken back by her. He's like, what the heck? Which then led for another applause for David as he walked off the field and so many special moments in that game. A big thing for me that struck well was like Ross was coming out of the game and Contreras, you know, they met halfway and, you know, Contreras made it a certainty to hug Ross and like give him a few kind words. And that just goes to show how, how good of a guy Contreras is. Like he's mm-hmm. such a great teammate. I thought that. But that game and having like Ross at the spotlight was a pretty cool moment. And then hitting a home run doing it was even more cool. Yeah, one of my favorite so, yeah, things that- is like when like when coaches come out there and like get their players mid game when they know like it's gonna be their last game. Like I think Stan Musial's last game of his career, Harry Carey made that yep. call, I think, with his last at bat, and they came and pulled him off of first base after he got the hit. And I just love the uh I mean it's like the ultimate handshake, like the old like the recognition to like take time yep. out of the game, pull someone out, and uh, I'm God. I mean, he was Just so give him that fun moment. to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, amazing that he got that chance. Um, all right, what you got next? Yeah. So, so for my fourth moment, it's not a game that I don't know if a lot of people remember, but I remember watching this from front to start. It was a late August game in Los Angeles. Chris Bryant hit two home runs in the game late for a comeback victory. And uh, I, like I said, I remember watching every pitch of this game. The Cubs were down 4-2 to two entering the eighth inning. Chris Bryant then hit a homer to put the Cubs within one and ultimately started the comeback. You know, you've seen this narrative so many times during the 2016 season. And even today with the Cubs, you never count them out until the final out. You know, because they never quit. That's the motto in the dugout. You know, the Cubs ended up tying it in the ninth. And in the 10th, Chris Bryant did it again. Went deep to give the Cubs a two-run lead and won the game. And it was really cool, too, because Chris Bryant is like a cool, calm, collective player, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't really see him show like that much, much, show that much emotion and, you know, really act out of character. And he controls the moment. But in that moment, as he crossed home plate in the 10th inning, hitting that homer, he showed a bit of motion jumping up and down and smiling. I just thought it was super cool for, you know, Chris and the Cubs. I just, that was, that was a cool moment. And that game sticks out to me. It's one of the best games I saw in the 2016 season and the regular season, just cause it, I don't know. I just really like that game. Like, you, you know, you have those games where, you know, you remember, but they're really not like notable. They're just super cool to you. And I just thought that was one of them. Yeah. You know what? I kind of like, I really actually like the way you put that because, um, I mean, as many, baseball games that have been played in as many seasons that have like happened like baseball's that sport where like still new things can happen and you can like kind of have it to yourself in that moment like just like you had you know yeah. you're talking like a mid-august game that was just whatever they were probably on some sort of road trip and they ended up winning but you know yeah. like when you get that game front to back and then you know whether you're like listen to on the radio or on the tv the announcers like pull you in then certain things happen to the game and like if Chris Bryant gets a clutch hit, like you notice his demeanor and like that really pulls you in. And one of the things you said, which couldn't be more true, is the way the team just never gave up that whole time. And it's a common thing in sports to be like, oh, just play like it's a new game, you know, play like you're ahead or play like yep. it's a. But the Cubs team somehow mentally could re- in real life actually do that. And there were so many games, like you said, that year to where. Um, 
like me being all the way out east, like if they were on a West Coast game and it was getting late and you would think they were going to lose, you know, I'd have to crash out and go to sleep at 11 o'clock. But there were multiple yeah. days, even in 2017, where I would wake up and go, holy crap, like they won that game. That's the one. Yeah. right? And yeah. then you ran so into that, that was- stuff too, like, you know, in the NLDS and the NLCS, like all through the playoffs. And, I mean, that's just what this oh, team yeah. does. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to check out that so game, like- though, for sure. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send you the highlights. It was a really cool game. Yeah, you'll um, have to. Uh, the third, we talked about it before. I won't really dive into it much. The Javier Baez Mother's Day walk-off on May 8th. And do I have to really say much more? You know, Javier Baez walk-off home run in the 13th on Mother's Day, all decked out in pink MLB gear. <laughs> doesn't get much better. And I think the best part about that was, like, the contact on the ball, key bat flips, does the little Sammy Sosa home run hop that we were talking about, watches oh, yeah. it go. And I watched every pitch like from that game, and I was just waiting for it to end for the Cubs to do something because I actually had to like do something with my mom. But it, my mom understands; she's cool, you know. <laughs> like Cubs are playing, whatever. But yeah, it sure ended on like a good note. And um, there wasn't this video didn't really go around, but it blew up on like Twitter. Um, there was a video on MLB Network. They have like these dugout view cams, mm-hmm. and they showed it on there because I flipped to MLB Network to see what they said right after the game. And they had a, this is when Schwarber just tore his ACL. Like he had that full knee injury, but he was still in the dugout. And I have to link this to you. There was a video of him watching the ball get hit and everyone like jumping up and down and everyone going to like mob Javier Baez. But you see Kyle Schwarber just jumping up and down with his crutches. And like, I just love that moment because Kyle Schwarber, like even though he was down and out and he could have just went home, he could have just rehabbed that home, but he was still in Wrigley field. He was still rooting on his teammates. And that was just so cool. It was just, it was a cool moment. And I'm going to link that to you too, because that video is just awesome to watch. I watch it time and time again. Yeah. You'll have to send that to me ASAP. You're Schwarber, man. He didn't, like, he didn't give up at all and didn't get down and out. Like, I think his whole rehab, like, he stayed in Chicago the whole time. And, yeah, crazy. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right. So, yeah. So, that was that was number three on my list. And then number two was the Miguel Montero walk-off versus the Brewers in mid-September to celebrate the clinching of the division. And I was I was actually lucky enough to be in, the, like, attend that game and watch it in person. So, that was awesome. You know, it was a Kyle Schwarber bobblehead day of him memorizing his moonshot during the 2015 NLDS home run onto the video board in right field. Oh, so that sits in the office. It's a really cool bobblehead. But anyway, like the Cubs just clinched the division the night before from a Cardinals loss and, you know, played all their backups the next day. So, like, going to that game, I was like, this is kind of be shitty. But, like, the vibe around Wrigley Field was so awesome because, you know, they just clinched the division. Um so yeah, like starters like Caesar or Caesar, and then Kawasaki and Coglin playing first base, and Lestella, Soler, Jorge Soler, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were in the. And on top of that, Lackey was pitching, so it wasn't even looking good. Like the Brewers got to Lackey, you know, hitting home runs, Braun, Arcia, Jeanette, they all hit homers on them. The Cubs ended up scoring two runs in the ninth to set up Rivaldo Chapman coming in the tenth, struck out the side, and Miguel Montero ended up hitting the home run. It's just very fitting because then everyone at Wrigleyville celebrated the division clinching, got shirts, pop bottles on the field. It was a great time. I remember staying at Wrigley field inside the stadium, like two rows up watching everyone celebrate for like an hour and a half. Just didn't even want to go until the ushers like made everyone leave. And it was just awesome. I got, I got a lot of cool pictures that day just because I was so close to them celebrating. And yeah, so that was a cool one because, you know, they came back like usual, like they had so many comebacks that season. And then um, number one was the John Lester bunk game and the comeback versus the Mariners. A I remember lot of, that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you see, you see the trends here. Like, like the comeback victories really stick with you. You know that game had everything and anything. 
Sunday Night Baseball. I remember watching this game very well. Uh, Brian Maddox, who, who didn't even start a game since 2012, started the game making his Cubs debut. Obviously, it didn't go so well. Wrigley Field, Wrigley Field started booing him. Seattle went up 6 nothing with a pair of homers. So, you know, it's just one of those games early on. Travis Wood even came in in the seventh inning to play left field. Travis Wood. <laughs> one of those, like, one of the first batters he sees out there. Belt the ball to the left field fence. He made an acrobatic play. Oh, turning yeah, around, filling up the ball, crashing into the wall to make a catch. Everyone was, like, bowing down to him like he's a king. It was just super cool. And then the Cubs did what the Cubs do in the ninth inning. They started to edge back. Contreras got an RBI. And then after a wild pitch with two outs in the ninth, the Cubs on their final strike, it was an 0-2 count, one strike away from chalking up an L. The Cubs were back in this thing and came back from being down six runs, went into extras. Contreras played left field. And in extras, I remember this, he made one heck of a catch to end the 11th inning. It was a, like a diving into first, close to the wall, foul territory, made the catch. And then bottom of the 12th, Jason Hayward on third. And all of a sudden, is that John Lester on deck? Joe Madden put John Lester on deck. Everyone was in it. I was like Jack because he didn't really have anyone left. But yeah. so John Lester came up to bat, does the impossible, suicide squeeze bunt to score Hayward, wins the game. He got mobbed on the field with a Ross and bank and a bunch of water. And man, what a game that was from being down six runs to having a relief pitcher and make a heck of a catch on left field. And then to tie it on a wild pitch on your last strike just to win it with a John Lester. Out of all people, John Lester getting the game when he hit. That, that that game literally couldn't have been more like it had Joe Madden's name written all over it. Putting your pit, your relief pitcher in left field, yeah, and then John Lester, who barely could hit before this season, put him in to get the game winning bunt. Like it was just, it was an awesome game. I thought so. Yeah, definitely Joe Madden written all over it. And nothing excites me more than like watching John Lester do something that like you don't think he could do, like. And this right. past season when he picked <laughs> off Tommy Pham, I was like, yeah, yeah. he was so stoked. And yeah, what did he do this year? Did he get a home run in a game and then recorded his yeah, 2000 he, strikeout like all in the same game? It was bonkers. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember watching that home run. I was like, because if you remember like past that bat, he was like super close sometimes. So he was getting a good crack on the ball. And then all of a sudden it was just due time. And then all of a sudden he goes deep. And can you imagine being the pitcher that let him hit a home run? It's almost yeah. like, it's almost like being the pitcher that like let Bartolo Colon hit a home run. Like, oh, how yeah. do you feel? And then when yeah, you see so, John Lackey in the dugout, just like loving life yeah. because his boy just hit a home run. Oh, exactly. And then, and then I had one honorable mention that we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a really cool game. Obviously, um, I'm not going to really talk much about it, but everyone knows that the Chris Bryant three home run game versus the Reds, like, oh yeah, at that moment, like Chris Bryant, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> like, like this guy's the real deal. And I knew it, like I knew it in the, even in the minor leagues, but when you hit three home runs in a game, that says a lot. <laughs> like you're a slugger. Yeah, and that was he went like five for five total. So wasn't it three home runs? And in... oh wait, no, no, never mind. That's a different game. Um, yeah, that was versus Brewers. You're talking about. He yeah. went for two home runs. Yeah, it was. He went five or five. I think it was an August game. I want to say, or maybe a yeah. September game in two thousand. But that was versus the Brewers. I know exactly what game you're talking about. He went five for five during that game. And that three home run game was against the Reds. That's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. I remember that because that was in Cincinnati, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. that's right. Yeah, he had yeah moments like that when you know you look at the guy who had just come off a Rookie of the Year season, and you know the MVP talks are just about then on point. Um, yeah, because he can, and I love how he can hit the ball opposite field too. Um, yeah, you know, be able to spread the ball, ball out. I feel like guys that can do that stuff, you know, they don't. 
as they get older, you know, they're not going to like suffer as much from like the shift and just like that sort of versatility. I mean, he's fun to watch. Like he crouches down so low, like kind of like Jeff Bagwell, like esque, but then he just like (laughs) rises up like a spring and his swing, like it's so effortless when you watch it, you're like, Oh, and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like it's over the fence. Like he's an home run. (laughs) And he's like, he said with his demeanor. Oh, holy crap. Does he ever, his like launch angle, like times a million. Um, all right. Postseason, man, I've got five things written down in postseason. Uh, You have five as well. Um, okay. Let's, I'm going to go through mine real quick. Here's what I've got. Now I've got, um, two favorites and I'm going to save those for last. And those are the ones I'll go into. So my number five is Miguel Montero's grand slam off Joe Blanton. That was game. That's one. exactly my number five. That was my number five as well, Matt. Okay. The Miguel Montero and slam NLCS eighth inning. Oh man, that was awesome. And his swing. Listen, Miguel Montero, his swing is like something of beauty and you wouldn't expect it from. So the way that count went, I don't exactly. I think it was a one, two count. And Joe Blanton had just got the second strike off of him on like a hanging slider. And whoever was calling the game, maybe John Smoltz was on it. And he said, oh, Miguel would like to have that pitch back. And then the next yep. pitch, Joe Blanton throws him the same thing, and Miguel did not miss. And it just launched, and like it hung. It was like an 88-mile-an-hour slider, and there it went. And I was like, yeah, because it was game one. You know, it was important. At that yep. point, it was 3-3, three to three, I think, because the inning before, the Dodgers had just scored two runs to tie it. And then yep. all of a sudden you get this. And then on top of that, Dexter Fowler comes up and hits a home run right after Mickey hits a grand slam. Loved it, man. What did before, you think about that? He, right before he, like you were talking about Dexter Fowler, he hit that on the next pitch that was thrown and people weren't even in their seats yet. <laughs> no, so they much. weren't. They were, still, they were still up on their feet. And a lot of people probably didn't even know because their attention wasn't on the game because you don't expect the next player on the next pitch to go back to back in a playoff game in the NLCS. Like the like a, a series before the like you know the World Series, it was such an important game and a series, and to set off the tone like that to really set the tone of the series was awesome. And the best part about Miguel Montero swinging that is that like he watches it, he hits it, he knows he 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 got it. He leans back a little bit. He's going to lean back every, every time he hits yeah. a homer, but he knows he got it. And it was, and then see everyone was up on their feet too, so it was just a perfect moment and to set the tone like that, a grand slam. Eighth inning, and there was it was an O two count with two outs as well. So it was they were on their yeah. last. So it was just an awesome moment, and then obviously Dexter Fowler following or follow, following it up. It was just it was awesome. And that was that was my number five too. So good thing we're on the same page. That's there. What's up? Okay, I'm gonna go. Um, oh, how do I want to? Okay, one of my favorite plays is Albert Almora Jr.'s catch in San Francisco. It was game three, which the Cubs lost that game, I think. But they sent him out in right field, um, and I guess they pulled Jason Hayward or something. And you saw him. He he doubled off Brandon Belt, and that was at least my first – not my first glimpse, but Albert Almora had just finished playing in the minors and then I think came to the postseason, right? Yep. And I remember watching that play going – He's he's a good baseball player. I was like, wow, did right. you see that? Because that San Francisco outfield for someone who's never been there before. I mean, I feel like AT and T Park has always talked about like that's that's a hard place to field because it's huge out there. It's huge, yeah. And he got all the way over to 
you know, to, towards the line, then got up immediately. And the thing I love about it most, which I'll talk about again in one of my favorite postseason plays, is him knowing the second he gets up that he needs to go to first base and doubled exactly. him off. There was no, like, confusion. Because, I mean, all of a sudden he's launched on a big stage after playing ball in Iowa. And then he's just ready for it, man. What did you think of that play? Do you remember it? Oh man, do I remember? Yeah, of course. I uh, I remember just you know he that was like the game favorite too right there because there was a runner on first like you said and then he goes and doubles mm-hmm. him up. So if he scores, I'm pretty sure you know that's pretty much game. You could chalk that one up for an L. But yeah. for Elmore to do that in such a big spotlight for being so young, it just really showed his caliber of defense on a big stage as well. And that, and if I remember right. During that series, that was game three, you said, right? So that was the game that Chris Bryant hit that ninth inning uh, home run uh, to tie the game up and for them to go into extra innings. And then they obviously lost, but, you know, what, yeah, what a big moment for him. Oh, yeah, that was, was that the home run he hit off the top of the car sign? Like the yeah. cartoon? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, now let's go. Oh, what do I want to say next? Okay, so I'm just going to go with my third favorite moment in the postseason, Anthony Rizzo's look when he's standing on third base after Ben Zobrist in the top of the 10th hits that opposite field double and Albert Almora scores and then Rizzo's on third and then Ben Zobrist is on second, right? Like super hyped up. Yeah. And you see Anthony Rizzo, he's got his hands on his helmet and he's like, oh my God, oh my God. And his face (laughs) and what he was saying was how every Chicago Cubs fan felt at that moment. Because you got up off your seat, got up off your couch wherever you were, and you were like, oh my God, this is it. We've got a lead. And like, (laughs) what's happening right now? I Exactly. Holy crap. It said it all. Um, Yeah, so exactly what you, you hit that right on the nail. Like Anthony Rizzo's on third. Ben Zobris just jumped in the air. Anthony Rizzo looks over to Ben Zobris like, Oh my God, dude, you literally just did. You had the biggest hit in Cubs history in 108 years. Like we are, holy crap, you know? <laughs> and I remember because, because Ben Zobers hits this ball, gets down the line. It's fair. We got to leave. I'm off my seat. Like, Oh my God, let's go. Oh, yeah. I remember going outside, just screaming at the top of my lungs. I have a video of it because I'm recording myself during this game and I have a video of it that I come back and then I don't see Anthony Rizzo's face right away, but I see it on the replay that I'm talking. Yeah. And I was like, man, like, and then it hit in and then, then it sank in like, Oh my God, dude, we're going to do this thing. Oh yeah. It was crazy. And listen to this, like that. I know you remember this. That was a one, two count on Ben Zobris. The pitch before that, he just fought off to stay alive and he was down yep. on the count again, which goes back to the whole 2016 season of like, Listen, two outs, two strikes, down by three, bottom of what inning? Like, nobody cares. And that's Absolutely. Just, that's such a crazy thing as an athlete to wrap your head around because, like, sports is a mental battle, right? You know when you're down. And, like, you yep. know when, like, there aren't a whole lot of outs left and, like, like, this is not looking good for us. But that team somehow, like, through to their core, like, really believe – they can still play baseball and win games. And that's why I think 2018 is going to be such a rebound year for everybody because, I mean, gosh, that's just their mentality. Okay, I've got the next two I am super passionate about. All right, so number two, I've got Albert Almora's tag up. 
in game seven when Chris Bryant almost hit that opposite field home run. And I think it was Rajay Davis that got his hands on it. And you've got young Albert who was again, just playing in Iowa pal um, (laughs) knows that because a lot of guys would probably get maybe like halfway down because if it's going to bounce off the top, he planted his butt on first base and tagged up. And to me, that was just a play beyond someone's years. Yeah. And you know what the craziest thing about that was? that Albert Elmora wasn't even in the game before that play. He got, he got lifted. Kyle Schwarber hit that single to right field. Then he got lifted from the game to put in Albert Elmora as a pinch runner. So this guy literally sat on the bench for 10 innings until his moment was called, and he cashed in big time. And that's what the Cubs do. They cash in. When the moment's there, they don't miss. And for him, like, to, to tag up from first to go to second was just awesome. It, was, it really showed, like, we got a chance now. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but you're right. He was dead cold on that rainy night, chewing double bubble all evening. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm such a fan of his because I think he's such a smart player. He plays hard. Yeah, um, it's unbelievable. Okay, my number one, and this I love, partially because so Aroldis Chapman had probably the roughest inning pitched by any professional baseball player in the history. The eighth inning, he came to the mound. The Cubs had to lead. He walked off the mound. Rajay Davis hits a two-run home run. Um, yep. The guy had had 55 career regular season home runs, so not really a home run threat, and it just happened. I think it was 99, yep. lower part of the plate. Rajay got under it, hit a line drive out. But then, yep. and this is my favorite part, Aroldis Chapman comes out in the bottom of the ninth inning. Joe Buck yep. leads with, I can't imagine that he's got a lot left. That inning, he threw, I think, 14 pitches. Two of them, maybe three, were fastballs, and there wasn't a fastball that hit 100, right? So his hardest pitch, I think he threw three fastballs that inning. He had 98, 98, and 99. The rest of the stuff he threw were all sliders. Miguel Montero was in there to catch. And the way I look at this is I cannot imagine how – he got back out there and did that because people were saying in the rain delay, like he was visibly shaken and upset in the clubhouse when it started to rain and for him to have to come back out after he knows what just happened. And on top of that, his fastball is gone. His one Oh three, one Oh four. It's not even there. He had pitched more than he'd ever had in his life and had nothing left, had to rely on a pitch that he doesn't throw that much and he got guys out on 87 and 88 mile an hour sliders. And I just, to me, that's just a huge moment for a guy to go out there and has the, and he has the guts to know that he can still win the game. Like there was nothing about that that said that the Cleveland Indians shouldn't have hit the crap out of him. But somehow he got Kipnis to strike out. That was the second out on a 98 mile an hour high fastball. Two pitches before that, he hooked one down the right field line that I think Theo said he thought was out. Um, yep. And then the other two guys he got, I think Carlos Santana let off the inning um, and he popped out. And then Francisco Lindor popped out on a, maybe another slider to end the inning. But when I watch that, I just like, I get goosebumps in my heart races immediately just because to me, yep. that was so powerful of a moment. Yeah. And I think, and I think, like you say, it's very powerful. 
But okay, I'm going to say this, and I love Joe Madden with everything I like with everything I have. He's the right coach for this group. But a lot of people criticize for what he did, um, just something like coach, coaching and managerial, like yeah. you know stuff that he has done. And I think in Game Six of the World Series, he misused the Rollins Chapman, and then that carried on because the Cubs had a seven to two lead in Game Six mm-hmm. in the eighth inning, and he and he came in and he was on his last breath. He pitched one point one innings, and then in the ninth inning, right, the Cubs scored two more runs with a. Um, with an Anthony Rizzo home run. So it's nine to two at this point, And a role Chapman comes in for one more batter. And you think at like some point it sinks in that we're going to game seven tomorrow. Like, and I understand it's a do or die. You got to get through the ninth inning, but you also have to understand the moment and understand that we're up by seven runs mm-hmm. and we need to save this guy. But, and I think that that just goes to show of what he was touching too. like the next game he was, he he was he was exhausted, and for him to come back out, like you said, was just he showed his character and toughness with this group. I I don't know how he did it, but I I remember that game, and it was such a huge lead that the Cubs have. And I know there was that one game, and it was a playoff game, I believe, and it may have been the Tampa Bay Rays playing the Red Sox. Joe Madden was playing somebody, and in one of those games, he lost like a six-run lead, and. I got to believe that that's what he was thinking when he sent her oldest out with yeah. a seven run lead was like, this has happened to me once and it's not going to happen again. But you yeah. had other guys that were in the bullpen, you know, Carl Edwards could have got guys out. You know, Mikey could have got guys out, but um, I agree. I'm just, yeah. I'm just glad it worked out either way. But yeah, he, um, man, he, he pitched him a lot. Um, yeah, he did. He, and that really went to show like he did kind of like screw him up the next season, you know, 2017 yeah. because he was, he was, hitters touched him like crazy, but you know what? He was a rental player. The Cubs did what they needed to do. We got the World Series, and that's all that matters. Yeah, I, I guess that was it. Yeah, it was indeed. Um, so yeah. what do you have, man? I'm curious what you have on your postseason. Yeah, so like I said, number five was the Miguel Montero Grand Slam in the NLCS Game 1. And then number four came on the list was the Javier Baez bomb in Game 1 of the NLDS. So you see the Game 1 in NLCS and Game 1 in NLDS. And it was a pitcher's duel between Cueto and Lester. Came down to the eighth inning. Cueto still in. Javier Baez hit a moonshot. It looked like a moonshot, but it barely got on the basket. Yeah, it did. That was that was just a great moment for me. I think just because like that set the tone for the playoffs. It was game one of the NLDS, and then because we know what like we knew coming up to it, we're like we're the favorites. We're gonna run this thing. Let's have fun doing it. And then Javier Baez totally set the tone for game one. So that yeah, that was my number four. And then uh, for number three, it was uh, game six of the NLCS versus Kershaw and the Dodgers. I actually went down to Wrigleyville for that game with the chance of seeing like a potential pennant clincher. I thought there was no way I could miss this and for the world. But with Kershaw on the mound, I knew this wasn't going to be easy. But really, it was. <laughs> you know, the Cubs got to Kershaw really early and Rizzo and Kuchurik all hit bombs. I remember actually being a bar in, in a bar like three blocks away from Wrigley because it was that packed. Knew a couple buddies that were down there that came early, a little earlier than I because traffic was really bad. Trains were packed. Didn't get down there until like three hours before game time. They were there already partying. They saved up a few spots in the bar. So um, I remember actually being in that bar and knew that when Rizzo hit his home run before like he came on the TV because Wrigley Field was that loud. And like another thing, like that, that game was just so amazing, everything about it. Like how Hendricks literally put out a show and for the professor to do that, 
so young was just so amazing. I mean, he had the, he was the ERA leader that year. And for the young player to like showcase that and be cool, call in the collective and know everything that was on the line then, it was just awesome. Then during the seventh inning stretch, stretch, you know, I walked down to Wrigley Field. You know, I don't like to jump the gun, but at that moment, I was like, the Cubs can really do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone cheering, like going down to Wrigley Field, we were listening to it on the radio. And then three more outs, everyone started chanting, three more outs, three more outs. And then everyone gathered around. I went down right, befi- right behind center field, uh, right behind center field bleachers. There was a big TV, everyone gathered around it. And we watched the last out and then partied the whole night. There was, I mean, I literally, like I said before, in our first podcast, I came in there with a few friends and left with a million others because everyone just connected on such a great level. And then we won the pennant on the world series. That was a cool moment for me just because Cubs fans really haven't experienced that. Dude, it was, it was such a blast to be around Rickyville yeah. during the playoffs. I remember, um, a couple of the games I watched, or no, one of the games I watched at L&L Tavern, um, which was amazing because this was like an old like hole-in-the-wall bar. They like sold nothing but like hams and old-style and PBR for like two bucks a pop. They had tube TVs yeah. on the wall. And like that was definitely, I think, my favorite place that I watched the game. But then there was another yeah. place, and it's right across the street from Wrigley, and it's called like Sports Something or another. And that's the one place that I got into when I was there, and it was just that. Like it was just me and my wife, fiance at the time, and we didn't know anybody. We had just traveled there by ourselves, and like I, we knew the whole bar when we left. Uh, high fives. Yeah. My 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 feet hurt. My hands hurt from hitting people. I had no voice. Awesome. Um, but that game you awesome. talked about, didn't Kyle Hendricks? Didn't he go seven shutout, or was it six? Yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure, yeah, he went seven shutout. Um, I think he went on to pitch like some of the eighth inning too, if Did I he? remember correctly. And then and then Chapman came in for him, and he shut it down like usual that season. So, yeah, that was just an awesome game. Yeah, I look at a lot of his starts. Like, I mean, because we had talked about the St. Louis Cardinals almost no-hitter start, his ability to go out in Game 7 of the World Series and be productive. I just wonder if 2018 isn't a year to where, like, when you see like the Cubs rotation where you've got Quintana, who's the guy that's going to give you a low to mid three ERA, 200 plus innings. You've got John Lester, who's now 33. Then Tyler Chatwood's obviously lower in the rotation. I begin to wonder if this year you're going to start to see Kyle Hendricks possibly take more of that number one role and maybe rack up 180 innings, keep a mid two ERA and kind of be that guy. Yeah, I think you are going to see that too. I mean, he's maturing as the year, you know, as the years go on. So I think he's going to have a really good year in 2018. It's going to be fun to see. All right. What you got? Uh, what's next? All right. Uh, my number two moment in the playoffs was game four of the NLDS versus San Francisco, the ninth inning comeback. Uh, there were, the Cubs were down five to two to start the ninth inning. And it looked like the Cubs were going to have to play a winner take all game five at Wrigley Field to advance the NLCS versus the Dodgers. But Chris Bryant led off the ninth inning, set the tone that inning with a leadoff single. Zobers came up to bat with two men on, roped the double into the right field corner to make it 5-3. to three. Then Wilson Contreras comes up to bat after bat to make it a tie game at five. And then with a single, like he singled up the middle, scoring Rizzo and Zobers, and everyone in the dugout was jacked. Jason Hayward then came up to bat with a sacrifice bunt, which was terrible, right up the middle to the pitcher. And it looked like the Giants turned two. He was going to turn two, but the throw to first was way off. Hayward ends up on second base, then Javier Baez, like he did all postseason in 2016, came through big time in the clutch, scored Jason Hayward from second to make it a 6-5 to five Cubs lead, and then Chapman comes in 
like I said, I keep on saying it in the 2016, he just sealed the deal and everything about that game so magical and it re- represented what the Cubs are really about the resiliency the fight within that team man they just never quit and for that comeback it was just awesome like that comeback was it was just awesome then the party going to, like, we, the Cubs did not want to face Cueto in a game five no at Wrigley Field that, it just it just wasn't like it, I'm not saying they they weren't going to win because obviously we have Lester to or Arietta, whoever was going to start yeah. Like we're set up for good, but you just don't want to come down to that. You know, you just don't want it to come down to that. And then for them to take care of business game four was awesome. Yeah. Cause that game, like Matt Moore was cruising USA. Like it was smooth. Yeah. yeah he was up to 120 pitches, but I mean, I, the Cubs didn't have a full handful of hits. I don't believe after Matt Moore had left that game and man, yeah. what we've talked about the whole episode and what I think we'll see in 2018 Pal, these guys, they just don't think that they're going to lose no matter what the situation is. And it's like with the ninth inning, like after they had been smoked by Matt Moore all eight innings, it's that mentality of like, well, it's a new game. Let's see what we can do, right? And holy crap, that was a game I I could not believe they won. I I was certain that like, okay, we got Cueto Lester part two. And Cueto made me nervous. But, like, you know, when you had the ability to use Lester and Arietta, like, yeah, we've been watching Cubs baseball all year. They could win game seven. But they were, no, we're not going to do game seven. We're just going to end this thing now. And, uh, yeah. oh, that reminds me yeah. of a movie. You know what it reminds me of? Happy Gilmore. What's up? When all the oh, stuff absolutely. falls. And he's yeah. like, no, I think I'm going to end it now. Like, that's what the Cubs did. <laughs> they Happy Gilmore him. Dude, so what's absolutely. your number one, man? What do you got? All right. Number one pretty obvious game seven world series there were so many moments in that game and it was just like the dexter follower lead off home run like like to set the tone like that was just awesome and then obviously you know they lose the lead and javier bias hits a home run david roth comes in kind of screws up but makes it makes it up for it and Mm -hmm. in his last game david roth in his last game in the mlb hits a home run off of andrew miller and like running up the bases. He, and like you said in the book, he was just thinking his, about his family the whole time. And what an awesome moment for him. And then obviously it was just a glass case of emotions, just like we <laughs> said. And then, and then having, you know, Rajay Davis hit that home run. And I remember just watching the game and my stomach was empty. My heart dropped. I didn't have words. I didn't have words at all. When he hit that ball, I knew it was either going to be one gone or two just foul. And then just keep on watching that. And like the time slowed down for me. I was like, man, that just happened. Did Rajay Davis, out of all people, out of all people, it could have been Francisco Lindor. It could have been Kipnis. It could have been anyone else. But Rajay Davis really tied the game. And at that moment, I'm not going to lie, as much as I love the Cubs, I'm Cubs 24-7. I'm in on everything. But in that moment, I thought the curse was real. And I think it's okay to think that because were we really going to lose game seven after we just started so hot? Like Rajay Davis tied this up. But then, you know, obviously – like you said, Chapman came back in, got his thing done, and then the rain delay. The rain delay was so weird because it only rained for 17 minutes. So for it to rain and then all of a sudden come back to play, and then Kyle Schorber set the inning off with that single. Then Almora tagged up on that. Oh, dude, that would have been so awesome if Chris Bryant would have hit that home run in his MVP year, hitting that home run game. How awesome would have that been? Obviously not the case, but 
Sobers got the deal done, left field, uh, single down the line. Rizzo, you know, Rizzo's on third, like you said. He's like, oh, my God, did this happen? And then Mickey Montero, a lot of people don't think, like, talk about it, but yeah. Mickey Montero coming for Rizzo was, was really, because we only won by one run because um, Carl Edwards Jr. let up that run in the 10th inning. So he actually had the game winning, you know, hit. And I think a lot of people don't really mention that, but. That was to just that whole game. I remember waking up or going to bed even on um, after game six. And it really sunk into me. Like, I am super blessed to not only like be alive, but like just to like just living this moment because like there, there, I'm, I'm so fortunate because there are so many Cubs fans that didn't even get to live this moment. And then going to bed, I, I went to bed under this uh, canvas I have. It's the Wrigley Field, you know, the sign out in front. And it says, where will you be when the Cubs win the World Series? And I remember just staring at that. And I'm like, I want to be right here. And I was thinking about going to Wrigley Field, but I knew how packed it was going to be, one. Two, I would have loved to have been in that moment in the history. But I really wanted to just watch the game by myself and take it all in. And I, I, I wake up, you know, game seven, all nervous. I got friends texting me, family calling me, you know, wishing me good luck and stuff like that. Cause they know how much this means to me and living in brewer country in Wisconsin. It's not, they're not the most friendly, but they knew in that moment, they're all rooting for the Cubs and mostly me too. So, uh, for the Cubs just to get it done the whole day, it was a long day waiting for the game, just butterflies in my stomach. And then I didn't go to bed till like 4am that day, like that night, man. The Cubs won the World Series. It was just so awesome. That was my number one. And there were so many moments in the game I could have picked, but just the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that's got to do it. I just, like, I stared at the TV. Like, I just, so I just watched it at home. So me and my wife watched it. Then she probably went to bed maybe at, like, one or something. And I think I yep. was till two and three o'clock. And I just remember, I, I guess, like, maybe Fox aired the World Series. And in the top right-hand yeah. corner, it said, like, Chicago Cubs World Series Championship. And it had that graphic there the whole time. Like, and I just stared yep. at it. Because, like, I just wanted yep. to see it. And I couldn't, like, not look at it because it happened. And it's what you said, right? right? You think of all the people that just, like, weren't there. And, like, the just... Man, I don't really have the words for it. But I had so many thoughts were running through my head of, like, the people that I shared it with, the people I wish that I could have shared it with. And just... Absolutely. Like everything you feel, man. Um, it was definitely a blessing, man, um, to be a part of it, you know, to spend a little bit of time like at Wrigley, spend some time at home. Um, it was crazy. Man. Absolutely. And, was, I think, and I think like it didn't really even set in that night or the next day or even the week after. Like it really set in, I think, this season that like I think the ring ceremony and the banner raising, it really set in for me. Like we won the World Series last year. Like it was a big party back then. Like, we won the World Series. Let's party. Let's you know do all these fun things. But it really set in. I think this season for me that we actually won the World Series. And like looking back at highlights, they're always fun. It, it's a blast. We always have that. And yeah, it was just it was it's really cool for me too, just personally. And I know like you and other Cubs fans who listen to this can really you know relate to it. Is just being a fan. You know, there's a lot of bandwagon fans. No matter what sport, once they're doing good, like you know the Golden State bandwagon fans, the yeah. Steph Curry and stuff like that. But it's really cool, like, watching your team grow. As much as, like, the 100 lost seasons really sucked, they, it, it was all worth it. Um, you know, just that 100 lost season in 2011 and, you know, watching all this, all these pieces come together, you know, Javier Baez was already in our minor league system and Wilson Contreras was already – Wilson Contreras wasn't even, like, a highly brought-up prospect. But he uh, – and then all of a sudden, Theo Epstein comes in. 
He drafts Chris Bryant, gets Anthony Rizzo. You know, he drafts Ian Happ. He drafts Addison Russell. All these guys, all of a sudden, then he gets Joe Madden. And then all of a sudden, he signs John Lester. And after that John Lester signing, I knew right then there that 2015 was going to be a good year. And that, that, that's when you stop, like, we're done rebuilding. This is it. Then, then all of a sudden, Chris Bryant comes up. Addison Russell comes up. Javier Baez steps up. Anthony Rizzo shows up big time. We get Dexter Fowler and, and then all, and then Arietta. He was dominant in 2015. All these pieces come together and then just to carry it over and, you know, 2016 and really just such a tight knit group. It was, man, was that awesome? Just the 2016 season was awesome. It was. And, uh, I think I might just watch all of, Game seven, possibly again tonight. Um, but yeah, 20, <laughs> 2016, man, you basically just said it all. Everything lined up. I mean, the Anthony Rizzo move that Theo made bringing him over, I mean, was huge because, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I'm not thinking that Anthony Rizzo was like on a lot of people's radars, right? No, he struggled when he yeah. came up to the minor. He struggled big time when he came up to the uh, major league. Um, during his little stint in San Diego, he only batted like 120, and all of a sudden, but but like you said, he was with the Red Sox before in the U.S. and I really liked them, and he knew what like he knew him personally, and he knew he was a better hitter than that. Then all of a sudden, the U.S. and I comes with the Cubs, and one of the first moves he makes was to get Anthony Rizzo, and not a lot of people knew about him, but all of a sudden he comes to the Cubs, like beasted in his, the minor league system with the Iowa Cubs, and then that really started the legacy. And I know the first, I think like the first two seasons for Anthony Rizzo wasn't the best, like batting average wise, yeah. low two thirties, two forties, but then he couldn't hit lefties, but now he hits lefties better than righties, I think. And he just really evolved into a great hitter. And TOS and I believed in him and Anthony Rizzo believed in TOS nine. And he's now you know, like, he's our leader. He's our captain. Have you ever read the book, uh, the Cubs way, the book that Tom Verducci yeah, wrote? Yeah, I have it right to my right. Right to my right. Dude, I read that book and I loved it. And, there were parts of that book that just talked about how Theo Epstein would look for guys like with a certain amount of character. And I know that he saw that Anthony Rizzo because him and John Lester were both Red Sox. And I think John Lester and Anthony Rizzo maybe had met for a little bit, you know, when Anthony was going through his stuff with cancer. And I think that's part of a lot of the reasons like why they drafted like Kyle Schwarber was because of like this character thing. And for me, that's yeah. like, it's, you know, it's something there's not, you know, there's no saber metric that's going to cover that sort of stuff. But that's one of my exactly. favorite things about this Cubs team is it isn't just, you know, some sort of rich payroll that's out plucking free agents that can hit 40 home runs and, you know, throw 100 miles an hour. But yep. he built a team that I think he felt like could just all get along together and feed on. And I think with the way they've built the team based on like this huge character model is one of the reasons why like all through 2016 and all through this entire podcast all we've talked about is a team that still really believes they have a chance and i I love that about the whole um just the team that you know that we had in 2016 what we had last year and you know really what we got going forward so yeah it was every piece that we had fit in perfectly and like you say david ross maybe wasn't the best hitter or anything but he was perfect for the team they needed that in the, you know, the clubhouse. Kyle Schwarber, he's that power hitter. He, uh, he also is a good clubhouse presence. Chris Bryant's just the pretty boy. He goes about his business like, like a professional, doesn't act out of character. Even though he got thrown out the one game, he had to stick up for himself. Yeah, he did. Anthony Rizzo, 
Yeah, Anthony Rizzo's that you know that guy that keeps this Cubs like team together, and then yeah, so each piece you know really just goes together with this group, and man, is it awesome! It's it's a good time to be a Cubs fan. Like like pat himself on the back for it. It's like it's about goddamn time. <laughs> That's the truth, man. Get some winning seasons in. Um, exactly. Shoot, man. Well, I guess um I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up, everybody. You are listening. To the greatest show on dirt, I am your host, Quentin. You've got Kyle from Cubs underscore live, and we have just finished talking a bunch of phenomenal Cubs baseball. So thanks. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get to share it on Twitter soon. We'll catch you guys next time. And, Kyle, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, appreciate it for having me on again. Love talking Cubs. Can't wait for 2018, baby. Let's go. Yes, sir. See you later, man. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of The Greatest Show on Dirt. Again, I want to thank Kyle for joining the show. You can find him on Twitter at Cubs underscore live, and you can also find him on Facebook as well. I just want to say once again, Happy New Year to everybody. Stay warm out there. Like I said, 87 days until baseball season starts again. So stay toasty on the MLB hot stove, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks.